Welcome to the Mr. R Show, brought to you by the Monthly Recurring Revenue Institute. If you're an accounting firm owner or manager seeking harmony between work and life while optimizing profitability, you're in the right place. Our goal, to empower you with the knowledge and tools necessary to enhance both your personal and financial well-being. In every episode, we bring you insights from esteemed individuals in the field who share their valuable expertise and practical steps. Join us on this journey as we collaborate to revolutionize your business and enrich your life. Welcome back to the Mr. R Show, brought to you, presented, edited, and promoted in my promoter radio voice by the Monthly Recurring Revenue Institute. So, why are you on this episode? right? Why are you listening to this right now? Likely, I'll take a guess and say that you're a tax professional. So if that is the case, excellent. You don't want to miss this one. So we're actually going to sit down in this recording here with Chase Berkey. I'm not going to tell you a whole lot about him. You're about to hear a ton of fantastic information, not only based off of motivation, a little bit of risk-taking, but he's a young guy. This guy's done it. This guy has literally gone into this industry, into this field, as he'll get into kind of on accident a little bit, um, some great content here. So even if you're a seasoned tax pro, you've been in it for a while, or if you're somebody looking to get into the space, Chase and his team have something fantastic to offer you. No, it's not a coupon code. We are not going to do the TV infomercial buy now, buy now, buy now. There's literally no sales in this. I say that because what they have created is built completely around supporting fellow tax professionals. Let's get into this one. Chase, Chris, and myself are going to have a fantastic conversation. We are going to talk about how you scale a successful tax practice. So hopefully that piqued your interest just enough. Stop wasting time. Let's get into it. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Mr. R Show here presented, produced, we'll just say brought to you by the Monthly Recurring Revenue Institute. So as you heard in the intro, today's topic, we're going to actually chat with somebody. Well, we'll say chat. We're going to pick his brain a little bit on how he became so successful in scaling a practice. So you're going to hear from a tax pro. We also got Chris Pakir on here with us. I don't know why this guy keeps showing up. It's almost like it's his show or something. Hint, hint, it is. Uh, Chris, how's it going, man? Welcome. Welcome back to your own show. Well, thanks, John. I appreciate the welcome back. And um, I hope you have dinner ready and in the house cleaned for me. But it's good to be back. Well, you know, I, I try to keep things organized for you at least a little bit. So, you know, it's, it is what it is. Well, I am very excited uh, to have Chase on the show. <laughs> Excuse me. Obviously, uh, we are going to dive in uh, to a bunch of different topics. And uh, we really want to help out. And, and that's really what MRR Institute is all about. Really helping tax professionals strike that good work-life balance to get to the point where they can run their business and say they're just running them. And really that involves scaling your business properly. You know, I think most accountants out there, tax pros have scaled their business or have grown their business. But I want to talk about the difference between growing and scaling, because I can tell you the first 10 years of my practice as people that have listened to this podcast a bit know, I did do... I didn't, I didn't do things in the most efficient way. And I, I grew a business and didn't scale it. I grew it based on me running the business and not processes. 
and it was a, it was a very expensive um, from many different perspectives, not just financially, lesson to learn. And over the last 10 years, we've been able to scale our business and our practice and niche down to exactly what we want to do. So very excited to have Chase on. And I met Chase um, in person at an Intuit Better Together event uh, in New York City. And uh, all enjoyed, enjoyed meeting him, enjoyed talking sports, as he is a big Oregon Duck fan. Um, and... There's a lot to like about that organization <laughs> and the Mariners also, but, um, but also it gives me hope as someone that's, you know, you and Chase are about the same age. I'm about 10 years older than you guys, but it um, gives me hope that there's a lot of thought leaders in the taxes, tax and CPA world. So Chase, thanks so much for joining us. We are truly uh, honored to have you here today. Appreciate you having me here, Chris. Uh, I gotta say that, uh, you know, know what you're talking about in terms of growing versus scaling. I could not agree with more. Chris, that's actually a great segue and a comparison between the two, right? Because a lot of people, um, I will say individuals in the world, especially in the startup world, right? The One of the first things they hear, hey, how are you going to grow your business? How are you, Let me help you grow your business. Very rarely do you hear, at least in most conversations I'm a part of, do people say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'd love to help you scale your business. So Chase, actually... Starting on that point, first give us a little bit of background on yourself, obviously, and then maybe kick off the conversation on how in the world did you actually get into this? It's not like you just, you know, found an article one day probably and said, hey, you know what, I think I'm going to become a CPA and have a very successful practice with that. Kind of walk us through your journey. Yeah, definitely. So uh, the reason I'm an Oregon Ducks fan is because I grew up in Oregon. Uh, Salem specifically, which is not the same Salem as the witch trials. Uh, if you were curious, uh, that happened uh, a few uh, years before Lewis and Clark uh, made it out to Oregon. Um, I did play the Oregon Trail on the old uh, Macintosh computers back in the day, though that was that was a big thing. Um, and apparently, it wasn't just in Oregon. I, I thought it was just an Oregon thing, but. A lot of folks played that growing up, but uh, that's how I can tell that we're in the same age group because I <laughs> I remember sitting in my classes back in the day and so excited because we had computers, right? And it's like, oh man, I got I got malaria or whatever whatever it was in the in the trailer, my oxen died or something. So uh, I love it. I think it was a great you know life lesson to show you know kids that life doesn't always work out the way you plan, and sometimes people die. Uh, Maybe, maybe a little depressing, uh, but nonetheless, a, a lesson in, uh, you know, real life. But anyways, so I uh, left the rainy Pacific Northwest uh, for San Diego for college. Uh, I went down to Point Loma Nazarene in San Diego uh, for baseball, actually. And um, baseball was something that I'd spent a lot of time, uh, you know, going after and I eventually just burned myself out, if I'm being honest, uh, by playing about two years straight without a break and sort of fell out of love with the game, but fell in love with uh, the sunny weather of California and uh, decided to stay. So got into accounting. Um, I wouldn't say by default, but something close to it. Um, went in as a business major, did well in my accounting courses, and then my professors, you know, kind of gave me that nudge to go towards accounting. And 
I graduated in 2009. So this was a time when, you know, the Great Recession was unfolding. And it was pretty evident that the only way I was going to be able to get a job and not move back to the Northwest uh, with my parents uh, was going to be to get a job in accounting. Um, so started out at Deloitte um, in audit. Uh, I probably would have gone tax, but at that point they were only hiring folks with master's degrees in tax and I wasn't looking to do another year of school. So went into audit very quickly realized that was not my cup of tea. Uh, wasn't really, you know, the sort of work that, uh, resonated for me. Um, and I, I figured that out pretty early on. And so my main aim was to, you know, get my two years, get my license, but be planning that next step. So I didn't get stuck. Um, from there went into a partnership with someone I knew from college, um, you know, creating a firm that was more on the tax side, um, as well as client accounting services. Although that wasn't a phrase or a term back then, it was just called bookkeeping. Um, yeah. So um, that partnership eventually dissolved, like a lot of partnerships tend to do. Um, and at that point in my life, this was back in 2015, um, it, it happened rather abruptly. I didn't really have a plan. I just knew that, you know, I had clients that needed to get their returns filed before the extended uh, deadlines. And so that was really my focus, you know, kind of with this idea that I would figure out the next step thereafter. And, you know, as uh, most folks figure out when they go out on their own, as long as they're doing good work, you know, you end up getting referrals and that firm ends up growing a lot quicker than you, you might have initially thought it would. And Chris, that note you had about growing versus scaling <laughs> very much resonates for me because, uh, you know, in order to scale, you know, there's a, a lot of things you got to put into place. And when you're first starting out, you don't really know what those things are. <laughs> and so, you know, you're getting your pricing wrong. You're getting your scoping wrong. You know, you're just working a lot of hours trying to figure out, you know, exactly who you want to work with over the long term and what you want to do for them. <clears throat> you know, so most most firms, I would say, um, you know, just grow and don't scale from the start because a lot of the learnings you need to truly scale effectively <laughs> come from mistakes. And I was no exception to that rule. So that growth journey was, um, a lot of fun, um, but also a lot of work, a lot of stress and, you know, had its, its own cost from a, a personal financial and energy, uh, side. So, um, you know, kind of back to your point of, you probably didn't just, you know, wake up and decide to do this. It actually was a little bit that way. I never really looked at myself as an entrepreneur, um, you know, even though I was in a partnership, you know, and, uh, you know, creating a firm at a young age, I didn't look at that as entrepreneurship, you know, because it wasn't just me per se. So, um, you know, it, it's interesting because I, I sort of feel like I fell into entrepreneurship um, and I really didn't think that that was me when I looked at an entrepreneur. 
I was always like, ah, that's, that's just not me. You know, uh, that's not my skill set. But, you know, when I was in the thick of it, I realized now this actually, this is me, this, you know, really resonates and this is something I love. Um, so fast forward, um, to 2019 and, you know, we had grown, not scaled, uh, you know, decently to that point. Uh, but it was pretty backbreaking to make that work. And so I had these ideas floating around in my head that, you know, there's, you know, this experience of being, um, you know, in the position of starting a firm from scratch, you know, that is just really empowering. And, you know, the agency I felt over my life that I hadn't had before was just transformational for me. And I wanted to, you know, provide that same platform for others, but do it in a way that didn't carry the level of cost and risk and, you know, absenteeism from your family, uh, you know, while you're building it. Um, and probably more than anything, being able to translate the learnings that I had and that we had to folks as they're building their practice so that they could build it the right way from the start and not have to, you know, rebuild the foundation later down the road. So that was kind of one unlock there. And then the other was really around the fact that, you know, there's over 44,000 CPA firms out there, you know, and, you know, even more if you count the non-CPA accounting firms and they're all building their own wheel and spending a lot of time doing that, spending a lot of time running the business and wearing all the hats you have to as a business owner. And I knew that we could create a much better wheel, you know, that we could democratize and folks could leverage so that they could focus on what they do best, which is client service and, you know, developing a team. So it was really kind of those two unlocks that were the foundation for the pivot that we uh, embarked on in the middle of 2019. Chase, you nail it. And I'm going to dive into something. Sorry, John, I know I cut you off and I'm, I'm going to really geek out this episode and I'm so excited to dive into some of these because and I'll chase, I shared some information with you, but you know, my first 10 years of my practice, I, it was based on me running it, not, not processes and systems. And then the last decade plus, we've led with tax planning and strategy, 100% subscription model focused on real estate investors and helping people not only do tax planning and strategy, but also do the implementation piece. And I think that's what a lot of tax pros get tripped up on, that there's, there's a lot of um, revenue opportunities that's still a huge value add for your clients for you. But Chase, you talked about client selection. And that's something that I would, when I first started, I would like to say I was bad at client selection. That would be giving me a compliment because I had absolutely no client selection process. If you came through my door and it was legal and you wanted me to prepare your tax return or my practice, I would do it. If you paid because like, so you could have, I used the example I was, uh, recently, if you had a llama farm and I never stepped foot on a llama farm in my life, I would take you as a client just because I figured I needed to, to grow my business, not scale it. And then I might, I had to have a huge learning curve. Now I feel like with, with our practice now, and John's kind of dove into this a little bit too, as far as seeing in action, as we work with other tax pros and consult with them. I think our client selection process is a secret to our, our private CPA firm's success. It all, 
almost every client headache could start by not them not being inclined in the first place. And Chase, I know you're you know athlete. It's kind of like a, a in college football, right? Like, like you've got to when you're looking at recruits, when you're recruiting a player, when they're a sophomore and they get in trouble and get kicked off the team or do something dumb, there was probably a red flag when they were a recruit, recruit that you may have not uncovered or you chose to ignore. So you tell me about what what do you do now at Dark Horse? We're going to dive into Dark Horse a little more, but what are what are some of the things that you guys do now that you didn't do in the beginning when it comes when it comes to client selection? <laughs> oh, where do I start there? Um, without just saying everything, uh, hey, that's you're already ahead of me because you actually had some type of process. You know, I, I really came to find that you know if you don't set expectations with clients you know, they're going to run your practice for you. Right. And so there's, there's an element of, you know, you, you kind of have to work with a number of different clients, you know, in different industries, different service types to understand really what you find the most interest in, you know, where you can provide the most value, um, you know, where you think the opportunities are, you know, so there is that element of whether you're doing that, you know, at an existing firm as an employer, whether you're doing that to some extent when you're starting out, you know, you kind of have to figure out, you know, through just experience, you know, where you want to specialize in because, you know, your niche of real estate investors, you know, wasn't something you picked out blindly, you know, out of a hat. It's likely because you had some experience there and, you know, some successes there and figured this is an area, you know, that I'm going to just double down it uh, if I'm, guessing on, you know, as to how you got to where you are. Um, right. So, you know, I, I really believe, uh, you know, wholeheartedly that everything bad in a practice, everything bad in public accounting, you know, that's been well-documented online and elsewhere, you know, is, uh, stemming from getting the pricing wrong, getting the scoping wrong, uh, you know, not setting expectations, uh, appropriate expectations with clients. If you get any one of those three areas wrong, uh, it's likely that you're going to have problems in the other two areas. And so, you know, when, when you don't get that pricing right, you know, you actually end up underserving that client. So it's like, they might be paying half of what they should, but a lot of times you end up giving them a quarter of the service, you know, that they probably deserve because, you know, you get, stretched so thin and you're constantly putting out whatever fire is burning the hottest, you know, and also at the same time, trying to direct your focus towards the clients that you can do the most for that are paying you the most. Um, so, you know, I, I just, I truly believe that, you know, one of the values we can bring to the equation with our folks as they're growing is making sure that they're not signing business just to sign business. Uh, Chris, that comment you made about, you know, if someone came into you with, I think you said a llama uh, farm, um, you, you know, you would take them because there's a scarcity mindset that's implicit, you know, for a lot of folks when they're starting a firm that, you know, they don't know when that next potential client is coming. They know that their bills are going to recur either way, you know, and so there's this, this, fear that if they don't sign this client that, you know, they might be in a pickle, you know, in the future because the revenue just isn't there. 
Um, and you know, that's a, I think a legitimate concern for a lot of folks, you know, when you don't have a nucleus, uh, of clients that are well aligned with you, that would make referrals that would help grow your business. And you don't have a sales funnel online or elsewhere, you know, it, it is truly, okay, when is this next prospect going to come my way? Right. So I think a lot of folks, you know, might make the concession that, yeah, this isn't the right client or the right price or the right scope, but it's better than nothing. Um, and that ends up being very slippery slope, uh, because that's, that's a bit of a subconscious precedent. And then the next client that comes along, you make the same concession, right? <clears throat> so getting clear on, you know, who you're going to work with, what you're going to do for them and how you're going to do it is the most important thing you can, you know, set out for yourself in any practice. And you, not, you touched on something we call scope creep, and we're going to touch on that in a little bit. Great point on the client selection. I, I'll argue that missing on a client, I've yet to meet a tax professional or tax pro that has missed on a client and like gone out of business because of it. You, 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 you make mistakes when you take on someone that you, in your heart, you know, you shouldn't. And it's not, and actually it's not fair to the client either. Like you said, even if someone's underpaying, then you're not going to, you're going to, you're going to allocate less resources to that person. Um, do you, in, you know, we, one of the pro tips we we talk about is that you only have one chance to show your value to a client. And that's in the beginning of the relationship. That's just reality. Uh, it's hard to, you know, increase prices uh, necessarily. Um, but, but that first time when you can show value, that's, that's when, that's when you're taking your, your chance at, now, that's what you have to take advantage of. And I know you're a baseball guy. So I think anyone listening has to understand that as a, as a CPA, as a tax professional, world agent right now with the lack of workforce coming into our, um, in our industry in the client needs, we're going up to bat and we're, we're looking at a three, one count right off the bat, right? It's gotta be a really good pitch. Now, but it's right down the middle, slug it, but it's okay to take it, walk and, and, and get on first base. Uh, that's the way, that's my mentality. I might have a three, one count right now, just going into meeting with any prospective client. If I'm going to, if it's a good pitch, I'm going to swing at it, but I don't have to, if that makes sense. Right. I mean, I might even say it's a 3-0 count, to be honest. Three, I know. I wasn't a good enough hitter to get the green light on 3-0, though, Chase. You probably were, so I go 3-1. <laughs> and Chase, actually, if you can, before before we get too far along, too, I know we, we kind of hinted at it a few times. If you can, give us a little bit of ba a background on Dark Horse and what you guys actually do. Because a lot our audience is really split up, I'd say, between two sides of the fence. We have some individuals looking to get into the industry or are newer in the industry, but then also, I'd probably say the majority are, in a sense, seasoned tax pros um, that are always looking to scale. Or as Chris, as you had mentioned earlier on as well, you know, your story specifically, you you kind of I wouldn't say get out. You want to get out of it, but you really want to craft your business to scale without you being, um, you know, such a key component for its success. So, Chase, if you wouldn't mind, give us give us a little background and you know, kind of a, an elevator pitch, if you will. Yeah, definitely. So that pivot that I mentioned in 2019 was really going from what was mostly a traditional accounting firm, although we had a progressive brand, 
um, as well as more of a tech focused approach. You know, we went from that traditional CPA firm to what we call a platform CPA firm. If you haven't heard of that term, it's because we invented it. So it's its own category. Essentially, what we're doing is creating all the infrastructure and resources and tools and administration that you need to build a practice from scratch or scale an existing one. Um, as I mentioned before, you know, a lot of folks um, struggle, you know, at certain points uh, with their firm, you know, because they're wearing all these hats. You know, they're spending time doing some version of HR, some payroll administration, maybe some peer review sort of thing, their own bookkeeping. Um, you know, there's just a lot that it takes just to keep the business running uh, on a day to day basis. And then there's technology. <laughs> you know, there's w when you talk about, the tech stack, you know, that you need to have to be relevant and efficient and effective and to retain talent, you know, because they don't want to be working with archaic technology themselves as they're trying to advance their career. You know, there's just a lot that is, you know, required of someone running a firm and it's more than one person, you know, can do, right? So it's then kind of this question of, okay, am I going to pay for this in terms of paying an outsider? Um, am I going to bring someone in-house to help through this? Am I competent to lead and direct those people in meaningful ways, you know, and continue to evolve, you know, this technology, these systems and processes, you know, and keep up with the marketplace, serve clients well, you know, just keep all of these balls in the air. It's, it's a lot. Uh, and we've found that there's a lot of firms that have a moderate level of success, uh, but it's usually running the uh, owners, um, you know, pretty ragged uh, to make it happen. Um, and so, you know, those firm owners recognize they need to take some things off their plate. And that's, you know, when a conversation with us makes a ton of sense because we can help them take a lot of that off their plate and set them up for success, you know, kind of reset them so that they can, you know, scale effectively going forward, or if they don't necessarily want to scale, but, you know, they just want to be in a bit better lifestyle standpoint than where they currently are. You know, that's certainly something we help them with as well. On the accelerator side of our business, um, we're taking folks that are typically managers or senior managers, uh, or maybe they just started their own firm and are realizing just how daunting of a task this is um, and pulling them into our accelerator program, growing them from scratch to six figures and typically in a couple of months, um, you know, kind of holding their hand along the way, you know, in terms of how to have these sales conversations, um, you know, how to, how to do it in an authentic way, how to propose, how to price, how to scope, you know, how to use our tech stack, start to finish, you know, all the things that you need to be able to do, you know, to provide that level of client service that we hold ourselves to. So all that in a nutshell to say, if it supports uh, a CPA and building their practice and building their team, you know, we've got a heavy hand in it. And our goal really is for our folks to be able to focus on, again, you know, being a practitioner, doing what they do best, developing that team, serving clients, and then, you know, not putting as much focus in the other elements uh, of running a practice and allocating some of that time towards collaboration. And collaboration is really a huge 
you know, core value that we have at Dark Horse that, you know, there's, when you talk about accounting and tax, you're talking about so much subject matter that any one person can only know a fraction of it. And so, you know, we know that we're better together. And I also know that it was very lonely when I started my own practice and was by myself. And, you know, it was all the buck stopped with me to figure out any sort of technical issue that, uh, you know, I wasn't familiar with, you know, and so we know that we can bring people together in meaningful ways, you know, so that when they encounter those issues, you know, there's, there's someone to help them out and say, Hey, dealt with the same client. Here's the work paper. Here's the tax return. You know, if you want to talk through this, just let me know. Right. So that's, that's a huge unlock and a huge, uh, contributor to, folks success and something, you know, there, there are communities out there that do that to some extent, but you know, when it's all under one roof, you know, we're all on the same team, you know, and the expectation is set that, you know, you're here to contribute first and consume second. There's just so much more to go around and so much more up-leveling that happens as a result. Well, I, I'm very impressed with uh, a lot of things you're doing with dark horse. I want to, and I love the idea that you've created the platform CPA firm. We created teaching tax flow in, in our private CPA practice, which is a proprietary tax planning strategy process. But a couple of things that I, that I want to dive into with you. First thing, it can be really lonely when you're, when you're a solopreneur, when you're on, when you're on an island, especially let's say you live in a more rural area and you're the only CPA, you're the only tax pro in town. Um, there's always a, that that could be that could be a lonely place, and you know I love that you have different opportunities because I've always argued like John's heard this a million times, but it's easier to turn a motorcycle around than an eighteen wheeler. So I actually think that the challenge is harder when you're a seasoned practitioner that you've had a practice for a certain amount of years to change it versus someone that just started, uh, someone that's getting just getting rolling. And one of our core things we believe in is collaboration over competition. And, you know, th- like I said, we're all batting with a 3-0 for us that aren't as good at batting 3-1 count. Uh, <laughs> you know, we don't, we, you know, we need, need to band together. Uh, we talked about client selection already. And one of the things that I like that, and I would like you to just touch on a little bit with it, that I'm very impressed with Dark Horse. And I think a lot of accountants miss on this. Price transparency, where you, you do give a some type of estimate, a rough estimate, um, based on services selected. If someone goes to your website before they before they submit an inquiry, just kind of giving them an idea. And not only do you, a lot of times, clients or prospective clients don't know what they need, so you have a nice way to explain those different types of services. And also, you have done a good job, very tastefully, by the way, gatekeeping uh, the discovery meeting process. Uh, we call it discovery meeting, but I think it's initial consultation where if someone's not a good, the book, yeah, the book counselor, when someone's not a good fit, you just say, Hey, you're, you're just not a good fit. And, and we're kind of trained to, to always say yes, but we have to learn to say no, to be able to say yes. So can you tell us a little bit about that gatekeeping process? Maybe one or two tips you could give to someone, um, that's try to scale their business or, or bring in some best, best practices that dark horses used. Yeah. Uh, and first, just as an aside on that comment about, you know, you gotta be able to say no to say yes. Um, a very 
powerful book it, you know in my life has been essentialism uh which really is uh that concept of you know knowing what your best yes is so you can say no to the things that are not that so you have the ability to say yes to those things and it's easier said than done right because there's this gray area you know between good and great uh, and even okay good and great you know that is not always easy to know unless you truly know yourself and you know where your time is best spent um we're going back to your um, your question about you know uh, that level of transparency. You know that's that's a huge part of how we operate. You know is internally and externally we're as transparent as we can be while protecting you know the privacy uh, of, of those who might be impacted. Um, but you know when it comes to pricing, when it comes to some of these questions about how we work and, you know, who we work with and are you going to fit that mold? That's really just about, you know, the idea of nobody wants to waste their time, right? We don't want to waste our time with an unqualified prospect and they don't want to waste our time or waste their time, you know, interviewing us when it's just not a fit. So I think the more that you can put out there, you know, that um, disqualifies the folks that are definitely, you know, unqualified or, you know, maybe somewhere on the fringe even, you know, is super powerful because it means when people get through that funnel, you know, and send their inquiry that there's a high probability that this is a qualified prospect, whether or not it's someone you want to work with, you know, is always a different question. But I think our industry in general, um, for a lot of years shunned, uh, you know, this idea of getting clients from a website. And you see that in the websites that are out there for accounting firms that are either a glorified business card um, or just a bunch of, you know, stuff that doesn't tell a cohesive narrative, Um, you know, and it's more just about, you know, puffing their chest uh, a lot of times. But for us, you know, it, it really is about, you know, making sure that, you know, the prospects that we put in front of our accelerators and our principals are the highest quality possible and that they come in at least with a realistic set of expectations knowing generally you know what the ballpark range is for the services they're looking for you know how we work with clients you know we don't work in a paper-based in-person environment some firms do do that we just want to be clear that that's not us and there's a reason why but again you know, we don't need to waste anyone's time here. And, you know, this idea of a 3-0 or 3-1 count, I mean, there's so much more demand in the marketplace and there is supply, um, you know, and also technology and non-CPA firms are coming into the fray in a way where, you know, some of these clients that we feel like we need to be able to serve, we actually don't. Um, you know, there's, there's viable options for those folks. Um, and if you are going to serve someone that's maybe on the precipice of where you can add value and where the price makes sense, you do need to make sure that the price makes sense on your end because, you know, that type of client that's just, you know, kind of on that fringe probably isn't a viable client in a couple of years as technology and non-CPA firms kind of marginalize, you know, the fees we can charge those clients. I agree with you. 
I feel like also one thing one thing that you've done really nice job with Dark Horse, and this is one of the I mean, in my I've not seen another website um better in in the CPA world. Uh, so one thing I really like and I'm gonna talk about is and we teach that that one of the pillars of value pricing or even subscription model pricing is that you can even if you do subscription model pricing like we do, we have a lot of other revenue opportunities beyond the subscription amount. I think accountants get afraid like, well, if I only have 100 subscriptions at X amount at $5,000 per subscription, then my revenues at most could be 500000 Where I'm going with this is you've got to do a nice job bringing in a private wealth management division and also what we call in our, with Mr. R show, specialty tax services which would be you know, ERTC, cost segregations, 1031 exchanges, and those sort of things. Can you tell us about um, how how those came about and, and what role they play in your practice? And then, and then before we're done, I would do want to, we're obviously going to talk about tax pros that are kind of at a, at a crossroads with, with those sort of things. But um, well, yeah, can you tell us about the private wealth management component and um, and then some of the specialty tax services that you guys are, are engaging in. And you, and you might use, you know, you might use strategic partners like we do in our practice for a lot of this, but cause a lot of listeners don't understand how that works. Yeah, definitely. So on the private wealth front, you know, um, we aren't creating the blueprint on that. That's something that, you know, other CPA firms do. Right. Um, but we felt like we were uniquely positioned to do it better uh, because of our business model, because of how it really ties in the CFP and the CPA, you know, into a meaningful uh, collaborative relationship. Um, there's some revenue sharing that happens between those two professionals, you know, to uh, number one, provide an incentive to make the referral. But then number two, to make sure that we're delivering on our promise. Um, and, you know, we don't try to claim, you know, that we can beat the market. Uh, SEC wouldn't allow us to do that anyways. But, you know, that's not something we would imply, right? Because the market always catches up unless you're a savant, you know, that is maybe one of 10 people in the world. But what we know we can do is be transparent and very competitive from a pricing standpoint, as well as, you know, be as tax efficient as possible. So your fees, your taxes, that's, you know, if you can get a handle on those, that's how you're going to create better long-term returns over time, as opposed to trying to get cute uh, and beat the market. So private wealth was something we knew that we wanted to do for a long time. It was more just a matter of finding the right person to lead uh, you know, that business, because I'm not a huge fan of trying to, you know, stretch thin and, you know, get that credential and try and launch that myself or, you know, with any of our existing folks who have a hand in the CPA world. So it was really just a matter of finding the right person, um, you know, that saw the vision of what we're trying to build. Um, and we found that person in Matt Poole. Uh, who joined us last August. So we soft launched that offering um, earlier this year um, and had it 
public facing on our website as of a couple of months ago. And we're already approaching a point where that revenue is going to represent almost 10% of our total firm revenue. Uh, so it's been really cool to see that get off the ground. It's been a huge value add for clients because, you know, they can now have a one-stop shop that's not, you know, someone who's wearing both the CPA and CFP hat, but it's, you know, separate professionals that are, you know, incentivized to work together in meaningful ways. Um, when it comes to the specialty tax services, most of that is uh, strategic partnerships, as you alluded to, um, you know, and eventually that'll probably come in house as we grow and we have, um, you know, the clientele to support a consistent lead flow for that. Uh, but <clears throat> as it is right now, we've identified some just really great partners in all those areas that we trust implicitly and that are a great representation of us to our clients. Um, and, you know, we just got to make sure that we put these opportunities in front of our clients because, you know, your average general practitioner is not going to know how to do cost segregation because it's very specialized. It's a, it's a blend of engineering and accounting, right? But the, the dangerous part is uh, a lot of those practitioners aren't always aware when they're looking at something that is a, you know, a, a great candidate for cost seg, uh, for example, you know, and so a big part of what we're doing with our folks is getting those strategic partners in front of our people and creating internal processes to make sure that those opportunities are identified, uh, you know, and how those leads are passed along to our strategic partners and, you know, what it looks like, you know, to have, you know, kind of that joint venture with so those strategic partnerships end up being, you know, really game changing, you know, for us uh, and for our clients, you know, because it allows us to be more than just the sum of our internal parts. And I think that, you know, I know John's got a couple questions, but I think that, so I've been a licensed financial advisor for 18 years and um, just means I'm good at passing tests, but the, then the, I've used, I've worked with a strategic partner all that time. The point is, I think as tax professionals, we have to understand that the tax pro CPA financial advisor relationship is essential. You, you're, that client is building a team and these are two very important people on that team. The other thing to consider is, Chase, you nailed it. When you, what, when you want to talk about hitting with a 3-0 count, when you go to most of these big box financial advisors, what do they say? We do not provide tax advice, ask your CPA, we refuse to look at your tax return, et cetera, et cetera. So when you have two people on the same team with complementary skill sets, and one is a tax professional, CPA, enrolled agent, that says, give me your tax return so I can look at it. Let me see who's a good candidate for harvest or harvesting capital losses or doing Roth conversions. And then it comes to the actual um, implementation of these strategies that could be monetized. That's a very powerful position to be in. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, over, again, over time, you know, our our aim is to bring as much of that in house as possible. So that's um, a very highly coordinated effort uh, and something that exists within the same roof for our clients. Uh, not to say that there's anything bad about using an, an external party in you know in a strategic relationship, but there's also that next level, uh, you know, level of white glove service you can bring to a client when that's a division, you know, within the firm. So Chase, actually, if you can give us 
give us a little bit more detail on Dark Horse specifically. I know you mentioned, you know, a little bit earlier on all the services that you guys offer, but really you guys being the quote unquote back back of the house, or should you should you say, um, kind of on steroids for for tax pros, what what might be some of the trends that you guys are seeing as far as for the pain points go when a potential client comes to you or you're onboarding a new client? Are there maybe three or five things that you continually see popping up that are really just a pain in the you-know-what for these individuals that you guys really offer the solutions for? Yeah, I mean, the first thing that comes to mind uh, in terms of PDAS, uh, which is an acronym I think you can guess on. I uh, love it. By the way, I will support that. We actually use that a lot, so kudos to you for that one. <laughs> yes. Uh, one of those PDAS is, you know, the um, the tax organizer process, so the collection of all of the information and documentation that you need to actually be able to prepare the return. Uh, that, ha- you know, historically was a really clunky process for us um, and, you know, really caused a ton of context switching and, um, you know, just a lot of wasted effort to get people through that process. And so having identified, you know, kind of the magnitude of that issue, we set out to find a solution and create one, right? And so we found a company called Soraban, and that's S-O-R-A-B-A-N for those listening, if you want to look them up. Um, Founder went through Y Combinator. He was a practitioner himself, so he understood the problem uh, that, you know, he's addressing in a way that a non-practitioner wouldn't. And so we, you know, had some conversations with them, tested out the product and realized this was going to be game changing for us. And so what it allows us to do is create a smart organizer that's in the language that, you know, we feel is most digestible by our clients while still being accurate in terms of what we need from them or what we're asking for. Uh, And then it's taken them through, you know, what's almost more akin to TurboTax than, you know, a 30 page PDF. You know, it's omitting sets of questions if they've answered a certain way on previous questions, all that sort of stuff. Um, But then also, and I think this might be one of the most impactful elements of it is, you know, if they're filling this out in March and they don't have, you know, some K-1s, let's say that, you know, they're not going to get, they're not going to get one K-1 until May and they're not going to get the other one until August. The system is set up such that it will follow up with them on those dates and will continue to do so until that K-1 is provided into the system. And then we've got full visibility and transparency into that on our end. And then we know once we have everything and it's a go that, you know, we can start tax preparation and actually get it to completion without getting it 75% of the way, then putting it down for some number of weeks and then trying to, you know, re-educate ourselves on where we left things off and, you know, all the time and energy that gets wasted when you, uh, you know, pick things up and put them down constantly. The data collection process is very challenging and and that's one thing that we really focus on. Actually, we score potential clients based on ease to obtain information. And one of the things we think talk about is we, any prospective client really starts jumping through our, I shouldn't say jumping through, but using the technology we use to set up a discovery meeting and now they're already familiar with it. And I like that, that how you guys do that. I have a question for Dark 
as far as with Dark Horse, um, I know you're working with other practitioners. You know, they could be people looking to maybe sunset out of the business, um, people looking to get assistance with what we, and in our practice, we call the kitchen. So that's the back end. That's, that's the stuff that no one sees, but that's really the challenging part of things. Or it could be someone just starting their practice. Can you tell us how CPAs or tax professionals and old agents uh, partner with Dark Horse or who, what, type, what type of tax professionals are you looking to work with right in the next couple of years? Yeah, absolutely. So we're not a franchise, which is why we use the word platform. Um, you could think of us more as a franchise on steroids and then some. Uh, but the reason we're not a franchise is because we've created a really great brand, you know, that it has a great reputation and, you know, a lot of significance and a lot of pride behind it, not just for, you know, the founding and leadership team, but also for our principals and the members of their teams. So we've got to make sure that we protect that brand you know, as best as we can. And so there are certain things that, you know, you just need to have a, a certain level of control to make that happen. We don't shy away from that. Um, and there's also, you know, certain things that we know because we have the data points, you know, in our principles practices across the firm that if you do A, B is going to happen, right? And, you know, it might be uncomfortable to do the corrective measure proactively, uh, you know, and if we're at an arm's length, it's less likely that, you know, you're going to do that uncomfortable thing when there's no one there to force or ensure that that gets done. Right. So, you know, because of that, you know, we're, we're a unique structure, right? Um, so we're a platform, uh, you know, that has pieces of a franchise that has pieces of even a traditional partnership, you know, but really at the end of the day, our thing is our customer is the CPA. So that's the entire orientation of our firm is that we're here to serve CPAs. So there's a bit of boiling the ocean that happens in that regard because what CPAs need as a group is a lot, um, which you know I, I think goes a long way to explain some of the uh, ills of our profession is that you know we're high functioning, high integrity, capable people, but we've been given a very difficult set of cards to, to play with in a lot of ways. And then there's also some psychological elements of being people pleasers of saying yes to everything, you know, that, um, are just ingrained from kind of our earliest experiences, uh, in public accounting. So there's just a lot of things that, um, you know, we, um, we just know from the data points of our own experience building the firm of the data points for our principles, you know, that, that push us into a place of, you know, this, this, uh, level of not being at an arm's length is really the best call. Um, so we're set up as a C corporation. Our principles are employee owners of the firm. There's a stock option that goes, uh, to a principal at such point to become a principal, whether through our accelerator program or via merge in. And then there's ongoing grants on an annual basis that are predicated on the profitability of their practice, as well as their contribution to the whole, uh, you know, how they're helping up level, uh, you know, their peers. So it's a lot of different areas I could go to, 
you know, in that regard. But, you know, we're looking for, you know, great people. We're looking for folks that, you know, have a desire to learn, that have something to bring to the table in terms of experience and expertise, um, you know, in terms of who we hire as principals, you know, those are typically folks that, you know, are CPAs that have on the tax side, at least seven tax seasons under their belt, um, if not more, not to say that there's not a position for folks who are unlicensed or don't have the experience or some combination, you know, but there's a different road to become a principal of the firm than there is to work at the firm. Um, but you know, there's a lot of really valuable experience you can get working for a principal, you know, and a growth plan we can set up for folks, you know, to be able to eventually wear that hat themselves. Well, I think it's great that, I mean, ultimately collaboration over competition, um, trying to simplify someone's, someone's life. I mean, we always say getting your information is a lot harder than actually preparing the return. Um, but what you've created is those much beyond just tax return. It's a culture. It's a, it provides people with an opportunity again, to have that platform for, to, you know, take advantage of all of it's amazing. Cause again, I, I can imagine your roles change significantly where you're really probably not very much client facing, but like you said, you're the CPAs are your clients. But when you could take someone with all that client-facing experience and put them behind the curtain and, and really work on how can I make these other people's lives easier through technology, through relationships, that is, that's amazing. So um, I want to ask one more question and, uh, and then I'll, then we'll, we'll leave you alone. Um, but, you know, we're talking a little bit about niches. I feel like Dark Horse is I'm such on the cutting edge of everything in our industry. And um, one of the things you guys launched, I believe, was another cannabis division. Can you touch on touch on that? And not so much the cannabis division a little bit, but also what are things to consider if someone wants to jump into a new niche or um, we, we help you know, sometimes it's better to create a whole separate division within an organization, name it something else. But can you, you touch on that, and then, um, and uh, and then, then I'll let John John ask his final question. Yeah. So I mean, the context that we operate in is obviously different than you know those of our listeners here. Uh, but what I will say is that the Dark Horse brand, you know, is transferable, meaning it in and of itself doesn't mean, you know, that we're in the cannabis space, right? But we uh, created a brand that shows that we're invested in the cannabis space in a way that's more than just, you know, a web page. You know, we created a brand with a marijuana leaf behind it. We've created specific gear for it where dark is crossed out and dank is written above it, you know, a little bit tongue in cheek, obviously there, but what it really goes to show is that, you know, we're approachable, we're human. Uh, and we also have a substantial investment in that space as represented by a brand, a domain name, you know, a set of specific assets, um, you know, around that cannabis brand. And that's really resonated for clients. Um, you know, cause they know that we're not just dipping our toe in this space, that we've got a long-term investment or else we wouldn't have gone to the length of 
establishing that level of marketing collateral. Um, so from the standpoint of how we're supporting our principles, it's really, you know, that came about uh, through conversation with uh, the very first person that we hired into our accelerator program back in 2019. Uh, he really wanted to get into that space because he found that it was underserved. There's a lot of value that can be provided and also the ability to, you know, pay those fees because these are cash rich businesses for obvious reasons. Um, and so, you know, our aim with him was to say, okay, well, let's, let's, how can we support you? And that started with him going to conferences and trade shows, renting booths, um, you know, just getting the brand, the name out and specifically himself out, um, you know, to start building these relationships. And over the course of a little over a year that materialized into clients, into this, you know, brand that we created in collaboration with him. Um, and, you know, we're here to do that really in any niche, you know, that folks at our firm want to build out. Um, you know, when it comes to selecting that niche, because um, that was really part of your question, you know, I, I think you really got to look at a couple things. You got to look at, you know, uh, how big is this market? How vulnerable are they to macroeconomic changes or changes in regulation, you know, because if you, and cannabis, to be honest, there's, there's a risk there, right? If it's totally legalized, you know, federally in all the States, you know, there's an element of, okay, more players are going to get into the game, you know, and that's going to, um, drive away some of the pricing power and some of the demand as a result. But on the same hand, we're still in a position where, uh, we know that, there's always, you know, for the foreseeable future anyways, going to be more demand than there is supply for CPA services. So we're not as concerned about that. But, you know, if something could go away overnight, um, you know, that's that's a consideration that you definitely want to be mindful of uh, or maybe hedge your bets and have two niches. You know, so if one of those niches uh, goes away or is substantially harmed as a result of macro events or uh, regulation changes that you're not all eggs in one basket and trying to start from scratch. Um, so you want to be able to, to get confident with, you know, who these people are, what they need, what you can uniquely do for them. Um, I, I think one of the great things about niching is that it takes what's otherwise a, uh, a blank canvas and makes it more of a coloring book because you know what your ICP is, you know who you're dealing with, you know what you're doing for them, you know when you're doing it, how you're doing it, and you can train your staff accordingly. And it's not just a DIY adventure for every new client that has some unique, you know, industry, you know, regulations they have to comply with and things we've got to learn on the fly. You know, being a generalist is, is fun and a lot of learning, but, you know, it's harder to provide value as a generalist to an individual client than it is if you know that client's needs inside and out. And Chase, thanks again for for jumping through all this with us and, and kind of on the note of, you know, really starting that cannabis effort right there, I think speaks volumes to just what you had mentioned, right? Like y'all's approachability, you know, you're real people, you're providing you're providing the support system for other tax pros. Um, I'm really impressed, man. And and coming, you know, having a background in marketing for as long as I have, I love seeing individuals in specific industries 
that just don't conform to the norm, right? And and you know, as we wrap up here, I think it would be uh, very well suited that we add in a couple more acronyms, right? Because we we obviously threw out PETA earlier, which I absolutely love, but that almost taking you know everything you mentioned here, going from a, a DIY to a GSD. So if you don't know what GSD means, there's another one related to PETA. Um, it's it's get blank done. Um, maybe write that one down for for our listeners, and you know write it down and reach out to somebody, either Chase or anybody like him, and really just get the information that's out there. Um, Chase, you guys at Dark Horse provide such a great, just a, a valuable resource to support people. Um, you know, as Chris had mentioned earlier, and you as mentioned, and I, I think I probably did it as well earlier on. It's just taking what is a, a royal pain in the you know what, and really scaling with it and really drawing the line of the sand between growth and scaling, um, I think is fantastic. So we can't thank you enough for, for joining us on the show, man. I appreciate you guys having me. This was awesome. And, uh, look forward to future conversations. Absolutely. I'm sure we could talk for hours and days on little bits and pieces. So as, as I like to always wrap it up on the, on the teaching tax flow podcast, we will see everybody back here, same time, same place next time. Hey, everyone. Thanks for hanging out with us here on the Mr. R Show. As always, great guest, Chase. You were awesome, man. You're just your knowledge, the the story on how you got into the industry, what you guys are offering other tax professionals is incredible. So I know, Chris, uh, we had, had a couple laughs in this just based off sports. Obviously, Chase, baseball guy. Chris, baseball guy. I'm over here sitting in the corner as a hockey guy. Didn't really say a whole lot there. Didn't want to pigeonhole myself. But... This conversation was awesome. Thank you, gentlemen, so much. Thank you, everybody, for chiming in on this one, sending us questions. Prior to this, we had a couple of them come through. This is a topic, obviously, I would bet that nobody gets into any business saying, you know, I really don't want to be successful at that. So that being said, obviously, some great notes in here to hopefully steer you to success, regardless of the stage that you are in in your professional career in the tax space. So we look forward to speaking with Chase again here after the new year. Chris, myself, and Chase, I think we have some great ideas we were going to throw out um, and discuss about some other content. We can get out there to tax bros. We look forward to that as always. And as I always mention on every show, any question, feel free to contact us. We are here to help. That is our sole purpose for existing on the web or wherever you're listening to this podcast. We are here for you to support you, to help you grow as is Chase and his team. So send us any questions you may have, ideas, thoughts, comments. We love them regardless. And don't forget, get on Facebook, join that Tax Pro 2.0 private Facebook group. There's your personal invite. I also made it really easy on you. It's okay. You can cheat on this test. Click the link below in the show notes. Take it directly there. So as always, thank you for joining us here on the Mr. R Show. We will see you again very soon. The content of this podcast does not constitute an offer of securities. Offerings can only be made through an offering memorandum, and you should carefully examine the risk factors and other information contained in the memorandum. The content provided is for educational purposes only. We encourage you to seek personalized investment advice from your financial professional. For all tax and legal advice, please consult your CPA or attorney. Investment advisory services are offered through Cabin Advisors, a registered investment advisor. Securities are offered through Cabin Securities, a registered broker-dealer.